Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. One of the president's ride-or-die defenders is legal advisor Jenna Ellis. It's such a political prosecution and a political persecution. Quote. This, to me, is a clear violation of the Fourth Amendment. It's revisionist originalism. Tolerance just isn't a two-way street with the Democrats. And I think that tells you all we need to know. Newsmax contributor and former legal counsel to President Trump. Jenna Ellis. It is Monday morning, and yesterday was the first Sanctity of Life Sunday and the first annual celebration since the Supreme Court reversed the terrible unconstitutional decision of Roe versus Wade. And so while uh, we as Christians across the nation have celebrated the Sanctity of Life Sunday and March for Life since 1973, uh, trying to overturn that unconstitutional precedent and protect life, uh, now we actually have it. And it's amazing. I, I did not think we would ever see that in my lifetime. And it was wonderful that the Dobbs opinion was handed down rightfully uh, putting back abortion regulation to the states and allowing states uh, to continue to uh, pass laws and legislation um, that will rightfully protect and preserve life. And also on the federal level, uh, Congressman Bob Good introduced the Teleabortion Prevention Act, which is designed to, to uh, stop the prioritization of abortion on demand over women's health. He says on Twitter, abortion is always wrong under any circumstance, but allowing women to have chemical abortions alone without ever being physically examined is outright dangerous. So Congressman Bob Good joins me this morning. Good morning, Congressman, and thank you so much for your dedication to protecting and preserving life. Tell me more about uh, this Prevention Act and uh, how you expect this to move through Congress. Uh, Great to be with you, Jenna. Thanks for having me again. And as we recognize the 50-year anniversary of the catastrophic Roe v. Wade decision, the only decision in the history of our country, court decision that cost 63 million lives, it's more important than ever that we react and respond to the courage shown by the five justices of the Supreme Court back in June that overturned that decision and gave us the opportunity as legislators to appropriately restrict and hopefully eliminate abortion. And as you know, I'm 100% pro-life from conception. Uh, but over the uh, the, the uh, COVID situation, you had uh, the rise in chemical abortions uh, get to where it's about half of abortions conducted in our country. And our Teleabortion Prevention Act simply puts a minimum, minimum standards uh, for a physician that's, that's uh, prescribing or helping a woman with teleabortion that at least at a minimum there has to be a physical examination to assess the particular risks of, to the health of this woman who's having the abortion, that there has to be a physical examination before there's the prescription of, of the teleabortion drug. Secondly, uh, that uh, they have to be present. A physician has to be present during chemical abortion, so the woman is not alone left to uh, go through this alone and whatever risks she may incur physically from this, whatever harm may come to her, which there are obviously risks to the woman health-wise. Uh, this is not how God designed our bodies, designed women's bodies, of course. And then uh, finally, that uh, there would be a follow-up, in-person follow-up visit that would be required. So just some minimum things for a so-called health care provider that's doing this. They would have to be uh, physically present, again, for an examination in advance during the chemical abortion and have a follow-up visit with the patient, the mother, uh, after the termination or the taking of the life of the baby through the chemical process, chemical abortion process. 
Well, and Congressman Bob Good, I mean, this seems so basic, and it seems like for the leftists that are uh, calling abortions, unfortunately, health care, which you and I know that they're not. I mean, it's a medical intervention specifically designed to cause the death of the child. It has nothing to do whatsoever with health care. It has everything to do with the taking of life and uh, the intentional taking of that life. It's not at all about uh, the, the health of the mother. It's, it's all about convenience and um, other things that the leftists have tried to use as a pretext uh, for abortion. But this just seems basic that if a state does allow for chemical abortions, and of course, unfortunately, some states still do, that a medical provider would be there. And if the left is really concerned about women's health, you would think that this would be something that they would immediately recognize as 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 just safe practices. So what kind of response are you getting from Democrats on the Hill uh, to something like this? Or are they making those kind of uh, excuses saying, well, you know, this is an overreach and, um, you know, there will be... Th- th- the doctors, you know, may put pressure on women or this is too inconvenient or they live too far from a, a health care facility, that kind of thing. Well, you you can you, you know that the response from the Democrats are or is rather. And this is the same party, as you know, that when we voted uh, just what, two weeks ago now on the Born Alive Protection Act that we brought to the House floor in the new Republican majority, while every Republican voted for that and it passed, thankfully, uh, we only had one Democrat out of 212 that could bring himself to vote to, to say, if a baby survives the heinous, brutal abortion attempt and, and survives that, which is rare, but it survives it, that you have to provide true health care, to save that precious innocent life that's there in the hospital room uh, who has survived that abortion. But the other larger issue, as you know, the Democrat Party has become the party that says that, you know, to speak to another issue, talking about phony health care or faux health care, they're so good at messaging these bills or using these terms that sound good. But this is the same party that says, hey, when you surgically alter and maim a minor child, uh, in the name of transgender, they call it affirming care. They call that health care. And they say if you're standing up for children, the well-being of children, and saying you can't chop off body parts or surgically maim a minor child uh, who's confused about their identity, their, their God, God-created identity, the science of uh, gender and sex, then they, they call that gender-affirming care when you maim a child for life, irreversible harm to a child. That's how far the left and the Democratic Party has went. It, which is just so incredibly despicable. It's disgusting. It's it's warping the meaning and manipulating the term healthcare, which is, of course, what the Democrats do all the time with uh, terms they want to redefine reality. And I'm talking with Congressman Bob Good about uh, the Sanctity of Life Sunday, the overturning of Roe versus Wade, and uh, his new Teleabortion Prevention Act. And uh, Congressman Good, I also want to ask you: um, there is now, of course, this this debate surrounding the Dobbs decision and returning abortion regulation to the states. And some uh, Republicans would like to codify uh, the protections of life on the federal level and uh, as much as the Democrats would like to now codify uh, what they call a so-called right to abortion on the federal level, how do you see uh, the constitutional nature of the breakdown between what the federal government is actually allowed constitutionally to enact, like your Tele-Abortion uh, Prevention Act, versus what Dobbs rightly returns to the states? Yes, I, I want to. I appreciate you asking that. That's a really critical question because. 
the Dobbs decision has been misrepresented by even some on our side. I think hopefully mostly uh, unintentionally, but many have said that Dobbs returned it to the state and took it from the federal government. Not true. What Dobbs said was it returned uh, the, the decision on abortion to the people's representatives in the legislatures, and that includes the federal legislature. That includes Congress. It doesn't require Congress to act, of course, but it, but it recognizes Constitution that Congress has the, has the responsibility of making law or not making law, as do the respective state legislatures. And what it did, of course, was to overturn Roe and say that, hey, it, women do not possess some phantom mythical constitutional right to take their life of their child in the womb, or a medical so-called practitioner doesn't have that right to do that. But it, it can be restricted. It can be outlawed, uh, and it's a decision of the legislators, the people's representatives who are constitutionally empowered to make law or not to make law. It's not the court's job to make law. So what, Congress can act or does not have to act constitutionally uh, in the states. But, but what it does say, if a state wants to ban abortion or restrict abortion, there is no constitutional prohibition for them doing that. And so uh, I am a co-sponsor once again of the Life at Conception Act, and that's where I am at. I'm also a member of the Republican Study Committee, uh, it, whose official position is the uh, is the heartbeat bill, uh, which is which is not my preference, but that that goes a long way. That would eliminate nine some percent of abortions. Uh, the House Freedom Caucus's official position uh, is is the life at conception, which is where where I am. But in the Democrat Party, as you know, is the party of celebrating abortion. They want it to be have no restrictions at any time for any reason, and they want to force you to pay for it with your tax dollars. And that's what the Biden administration is intent on doing, paying for uh, uh, individuals to travel outside of states that ban abortion, to go to other states for abortions. Uh, they want to fund it for members of the military. Uh, and you know, that's who the Biden administration is. That's who the Democrat Party is. And, and you saw that with uh, – Vice President Harris down in Florida just yesterday celebrating more abortion on the 50th anniversary of the catastrophic Roe v. Wade decision. Yeah, and we we actually have that clip from uh, Kamala Harris uh, that we'll play in the next segment because I don't want to uh, to take your time with it. But um, you know, she was saying that this decision uh, deprived women of a constitutional right to abortion, which is of course a misinterpretation of the Constitution. Uh, but Congressman Good, I really appreciate you bringing out uh, that text from the uh, the opinion of the Dobbs decision because you're actually the first person that um, I think has really brought that to the for that the holding, and I'm reading this now from the Dobbs decision, says the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Roe and Casey are overruled, and the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives. And so you're right that that doesn't specifically exclude Congress or only say that the state legislatures have a jurisdiction over this issue. And so um, as you're moving forward with this in Congress, I think that is a critical understanding understanding of how the Dobbs decision um, has now given this back to what the Constitution allows Congress to enact versus what it allows the state legislatures to regulate as well. And so, um, so, so again, as you are moving forward with this, then with the composition of of course, the majority in the House and then uh, the Senate being Democrat. And, and we currently at least have Joe Biden in the White House and Kamala Harris saying, you know, this ridiculous notion. Um, how important is it that Congress also provide model legislation to the states so that states can um, make sure to do their job as well? And is there a partnership there that you're seeing? 
Well, I, I think it's important for Congress to act. There's no gr- greater cause, no higher calling than for us to protect all life, to protect you know, the response of government to the safety and security of its citizens. And that means obviously protecting us from foreign invasion and our national defense, but also protecting our most basic liberties. And those liberties beginning, despite the quote, as you're going to reference later from Kamala Harris, leaving out life, you can't have liberty, pursuit of happiness without life. That's the first God-given right that it's responsible the government to protect. And so Congress can and should act. And some of my friends on my side, it seems as if we've almost gotten scared of the responsibility that's been given to us by the Supreme Court, may we match their courage when they stood up with the leak that that took place and the threats of violence and the intimidation and the harassment at their places of residence, that those five justices did overturn a 50-year decision, rightfully overturn it, which is not easy to do with all the precedent that they they tend to follow, even wrong precedent or even a wrong decision. So, you know, my friends uh, here in Washington need to not be hyper-federalists. And many of some who've, who've signed on to uh, life bills in Congress over the over several years, but now it's our responsibility. And some are saying, "Oh, I don't know. Maybe we just need to leave it to the states." But they were sponsors and co-sponsors of legislation to protect life before Roe was overturned. We need to go on offense and not accept the narrative of the Democrat Party or the left that this is a loser for us. Again, the Democrat Party has surrendered all middle ground on the issue. They are way over the extreme where very few Americans are that, again, celebrate abortion, more abortion, the better, no restrictions up to the moment of birth, maybe even beyond the moment of birth, according to the former governor of Virginia uh, and and according to Democrats who wouldn't vote for born alive protection, and your tax dollars forced to pay for it. So all that center ground, if you want to call it that, is been surrendered, we ought to be the party starting at life at conception and then doing everything we can to, to get there and to protect all life. Yeah, so well said. And I love how you phrase that, uh, Congressman Bob Good, to say we shouldn't be hyper-federalists either. And so we should uh, rightly use the powers in Congress to protect life as well as the states. And I'm so glad and grateful that you are in this fight. And I hope that you are convincing your fellow uh, members of Congress to stand up and do their job. So thank you so much uh, for coming back. You're welcome anytime. You're a good friend of this show as well. So thank you so much, uh, Congressman Bob Good, for continuing that fight. Uh, We really appreciate it. You're listening to Jenna Ellis in the morning right here on American Family Radio Network. We'll be right back with more on the Sanctity of Life Sunday. Preborn celebrates that Roe vs. Wade has been overturned. Roe has been responsible for the slaughter of over 63 million babies. Now the decision to abort a child will be left in the hands of the states, and sadly, abortions will continue in the most liberal states. Over the past 16 years, Preborn has positioned their clinics in the top abortion cities where 50% of abortions occur. Preborn's work of saving babies' lives continues at an even greater level as they save babies' lives and defend their centers from the radical hate groups who want to shut them down. 
Preborn's response is dependent on you, the pro-life community. Be a part of rescuing lives and changing hearts for Christ. $28 sponsors one ultrasound and $140 will help to rescue five babies' lives. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or go to preborn.com. All gifts are tax deductible. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for healthcare can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make a switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. Tony Dungy is a two-time Super Bowl champion, once as a player, another as a coach of the Indianapolis Colts. He's also a born-again Christian, and he's pro-life. Tony Dungy was one of thousands of people who attended the annual March for Life in Washington. He posted a message on Twitter saying he was there to support unborn babies who don't have a voice. In response, a number of sports reporters and commentators smeared Coach Dungy as a right-wing extremist. David Zirin, the editor of The Nation, accused the NFL and NBC Sports of coddling right-wing extremism, accusing Dungy of being an anti-gay bigot. There was a time when the sports world was overtly conservative and religious, but those days are long gone. These days, athletes are judged on their wokeness, not their abilities. Just ask Tim Tebow and NHL player Ivan Provorov. I'm Todd Starnes. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. And welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning. I'm Jenna Ellis. And of course, yesterday was the Sanctity of Life Sunday and the first anniversary of celebrating the Sanctity of Life Sunday that we actually have the Dobbs decision in place and we don't have the unconstitutional decision of Roe versus Wade. And in the last segment, if you missed it, Congressman Bob Good was with me and actually had a brilliant explanation that I hadn't heard before. And I I actually think that this completely changed my view of the Dobbs decision. I loved it before, but I love it even more now because he rightly pointed out that the decision in its holding says, quote, the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Roe and Casey are overruled and the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives, unquote. So this does not specifically exclude Congress as the elected representatives of the people, 
nor does it specifically say state legislature. So under the Constitution, the province of a jurisdiction and subject matter jurisdiction that is given to uh, Congress in terms of what they can enact uh, is fully available under this decision. And so uh, with some of these bills that are on the federal level that are seeking to protect life and uh, use the uh, language of the Constitution and the available um the available alternatives for Congress to actually protect life um, are available under the Dobbs decision. So we do need to make sure that not only at the federal level we are protecting life, but then of course regulation of abortion on the state level that we are protecting life from the moment of conception all the way until natural birth. And it was interesting to me listening to the uh, Dobbs oral argument that of course was last year that uh, the advocates for abortion and uh, for keeping Roe versus Wade in place, we're talking not only about a, a constitutional right to abortion, which doesn't exist, is nowhere in the text of the Constitution, but was talking about a standard, a viable standard, and something that is a workable standard of where can we have the arbitrary cutoff of uh, when abortions generally should be available to women. And as I was sitting there listening to this, my thought was, well, there is no workable standard that isn't fully arbitrary and capricious unless you go back to the moment of conception. The moment of conception is the exact same in all cases of pregnancy, in all new life, in all unborn children. After that, then the line of when a child can survive outside the womb, uh, when a child uh, it will survive, period, um, that depends on the pregnancy. And of course, when uh, you can detect a heartbeat, that depends on advancement of medical technology. Um, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, when Roe versus Wade was first enacted, we didn't have the available medical technology to observe the uh, the sounds and the the scientific um, observation of life beginning. But just because we can't observe it doesn't mean that it isn't there. And so with the advancement of medical technology, we're seeing sooner and sooner and sooner, all the way back to the moment of conception, when life begins, that that is the standard. That's the only bright line distinction because if you move the line to say, well, this is the most workable standard, then it becomes totally arbitrary. And why isn't it eight weeks? Why isn't it 16 weeks, as some even Republicans have suggested? Why isn't it partial birth or post-birth, as some Democrats suggest? Then it becomes arguable. And if we have a standard of determining when life begins or this notion of personhood that is any time after the moment of conception, then all we're doing is arguing that we as human beings have the power to redefine and arbitrarily decide when life begins, when we just don't have that power or authority. And so I thought that the advocates for um, the for the Dobbs decision uh, on behalf of the, the state of Mississippi ultimately could have responded to that question in a in a better and more scientific way to say, well, wait a second, life begins at conception and anything after that is totally arbitrary. Um, but we did get that opinion and it, it was brilliant. It was constitutionally correct because there is no right to abortion 
in the Constitution. And the Democrats are just simply fabricating that out of thin air. And um, I mentioned in the last segment we would be playing this clip from Kamala Harris that uh, on the 50th anniversary of Roe versus Wade, this is what she had to say about depriving women, as she terms it, of a constitutional right. So this is cut four. Today, we should be celebrating the 50th anniversary of the decision in Roe versus Wade. Instead, after the Supreme Court took a constitutional right from the people of America, we are looking at a situation where extremist so-called leaders in states around our country are depriving women of the right to have access to reproductive health care. We are looking at a situation where these same extremist so-called leaders are passing laws criminalizing health care providers, where pharmacists are afraid to give women medication that they require to exercise the right to make decisions about their own body. This is a moment for us all to stand for freedom and liberty for every person, for every woman, everywhere. So a few things about that. Do you notice how she's manipulating all of the terms that she is advocating for? Because she's saying that we need to advocate for life and liberty, uh, or for, she didn't actually use the term life. She wanted liberty and freedom for everyone, every person, every woman, everywhere. Well, first, she can't define what a woman is. But what about every person? Does that include in the womb. Notice that she didn't say every human being because the left has tried to decouple this idea of intrinsic humanity with personhood. And to say that somehow personhood, which gives us our value as human beings, arbitrarily attaches when the state decides that a human being now reaches the level of personhood. And this is also uh, not just within the context of the unborn, but also at the at the end stages of life. This is how the left wants to pass and has passed completed life uh, bills and physician-assisted suicide. My home state of Colorado, unfortunately, back in 2016, uh, passed a comprehensive bill that allowed for physician-assisted suicide, which is terrible. And, and to say that somehow um, we have completed life and I have no more value uh, based on age or ability to participate in the workforce or all of these other extremely arbitrary metrics then somehow we're saying now personhood no longer attaches and we can decouple that from an a grown adult at the end stages of their life. And so Kamala Harris is also calling these viewpoints extreme. She's calling this uh, health care when uh, women access abortion. And notice how even that language of accessing abortion, it makes it sound like, oh, if you foreclose access uh, to something, then then that is not allowing women to uh, to access health care. But it's not health care. We as Christians and as conservatives have to advocate for the truth of what abortion actually is, which is a, a normally physician-assisted, but it's an intentional medical intervention that's specifically designed to cause the death of a human baby. That's what it is. I mean, an abortion is a medical intervention because if uh, a pregnancy it is allowed to be carried to term, then of course, unfortunately, some things naturally happen like miscarriage, but that is not an intervention. That is not a specific attempt at a cause. 
Um, and so for most pregnancies, when you take them to completion to term, then that results in the birth of a child. And so an abortion is a medical intervention that is trying to foreclose that pregnancy and specifically cause the death of a human child. But people like Kamala Harris and all of the leftists and all of the Democrats want to manipulate these terms. They want to say that it's extreme to protect life at the beginning and also at the end stages and even some middle ground in between when, uh, you know, they're allowing for all kinds of other uh, disgusting, despicable, morally heinous type of legislation that doesn't recognize that human beings are intrinsically valuable. We don't need a state designation of personhood to attach to a human being before they're valuable. We don't need to participate in the workforce before we're valuable. We don't need to be able to survive on our own outside the womb before we are valuable. All of these things are arbitrary standards that the Democrats and the state want to add so that then they can say that one particular class of people are less valuable. And this is where the uh, atheist and the and the secular humanist worldviews are antithetical to the Christian worldview. And the Christian worldview is the only one, the only one that is internally consistent to say that every human being, regardless of any other characteristic, age, gender, uh, race, anything about them, whether there is a disability, whether there is, um, you know, where they're born, what their economic status is, any of those things, their education level, it doesn't matter. Every human being has the exact same value before God and has the exact same value in the eyes of the state. But that's what the Democrats and the leftists, depending on their worldviews that are false, will seek to arbitrarily compartmentalize human beings and categorize them and then put them on a hierarchy. And so when you look at the left and their attempts to at sexism, racism, and all of these other isms that they try to uh, categorize people and then create this hierarchy and this metric for determining value, all of these things are dependent on an immutable characteristic that they determine one is better than another. And so while the left would say that somehow, you know, the, the Republican Party or conservatives are white supremacists or we're racist or we're all these other kinds of things or we're sexist. I mean, we hear that all the time. We have to push back on that and say, no, our worldview, which is the truth of the reality to which God presents us, is the only worldview that says that every human being, regardless of any other intrinsic or extrinsic characteristic, is valuable and has inherent dignity and worth. But that's where the left does not want to suggest that. And even um, going forward to this other uh, story that the police just yesterday were searching for a gunman after 10 people were, were killed in a mass shooting in Monterey Park, California, um, late Saturday. You probably saw that headline. Uh, the Democrats rushed to label that shooting racially motivated. They continue to try to segment society and say this shooting should be more condemned than another shooting based on the motivations of the shooter or based on the identity of the victims. However, they want to structure within that hierarchy where conservatives and Christians would say all mass shootings, all intentional murder, which is an unjustified homicide under the law, 
unjustified. You don't have the right to self-defense that claim within uh, that particular um, justification for a murder. So if it is, if it's an unjustified taking of human life, all of those are reprehensible. Every single one of them. It doesn't matter what the motivation is. It doesn't matter the identity of the shooter or the murderer, whatever the weapon of choice is, or the victim. They're all heinous. But the Democrats are so quick to politicize it and so quick to suggest that the identity, uh, whether it's the sex or the race of the victims or the perpetrators, are important because they want to use that to advance their own uh, their own narrative of racism in this country. And it's it's just so mind-bogglingly wrong to say that somehow a racially motivated murder is worse than any other kind of murder, or it's okay or better in some circumstances that the Democrats would arbitrarily justify. So when we're looking at how the mainstream media and how uh, most often the Democrats are viewing and reporting on, uh, and of course there's inherent bias in it, uh, a lot of these different events. We have to go back to the root worldview of where are they getting that? Why are they suggesting that this was racially motivated? Why do they care to compartmentalize and and categorize human beings into into different categories. And the reason for that is because they want to put this arbitrary value on some humans over other humans. And it's wrong and it's devaluing some human beings that they would say don't have as much value as others. So we have to make sure as we are moving forward in legislation on the federal level and the state level that we are always advocating for the truth, which is that we have a fundamental God-given constitutionally protected right to life, every human being, and that we do not compartmentalize people based on any other extrinsic or intrinsic characteristic, and that we push back on those headlines to say, this isn't about racism. This isn't about sexism. This isn't about women being better than men, uh, men being better than women, any of these divisive types of rhetoric, and expressly say that all human beings are valuable. But this is exactly what the left doesn't want us to do. When they suggested that Black Lives Matter and had that entire whole um, campaign around that, the pushback to say all lives matter, of course, they called that racist. And I'm and I'm thinking, why on earth would saying all lives matter be racist? It's because they have an agenda. They are never actually for protecting life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And Kamala Harris fully showed that by, by her comments. We have to push back and say, no, every human being is inherently valuable, has inherent dignity and worth. So celebrate today that we have the constitutionally protected right to life because we are made in God's image. You're listening to Jenna Ellis in the morning. We will be right back. My wife, Jan, played in the marching band in high school and then in college. They all had matching uniforms, but when they played the music, nobody played exactly the same thing. As believers, unity of the faith, we're not the same. 
Uh, we're different. We have different parts to play, mm. but there can be unity as we play our part in Christ Jesus. Exploring the Word, weekday afternoons at 3 Central on American Family Radio. Washington Watch. This is a crisis of our own making, and that hard-nosed determination to not admit it for political reasons is just really, truly disheartening. Yeah, I I don't want to beat a dead horse, but on this particular issue, the contrast between the policies of the two administrations could not be sharper. As I've mentioned here on the program many times, I was at the border a little over a year ago. It was like a ghost town. Weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evenings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Have you ever seen one of those track and field events where the runner starts out in blazing fashion, leading the pack for the majority of the race, only to stumble just before reaching the finish line? Starting the race well and running well are vitally important, but if we don't finish the race well, all else can be overthrown. The Apostle Paul penned those words, having fought the good fight, right on to the end as he faced imminent execution under Nero's sword. Let us all, brothers and sisters, set our courses to finish well. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Abraham Hamilton III, host of The Hamilton Corner. American Family Association is on the front lines in the culture war in America. We've been here for more than 40 years fighting for the biblical principles our nation was founded upon. And by God's grace, we are making a difference. One significant way you can join us in this battle is through a charitable gift annuity with the AFA Foundation. Not only will the charitable gift annuity benefit you, but it will benefit the culture-transforming work of American Family Association. Contact the AFA Foundation today to learn how you can shore up permanent income for your retirement years while supporting American Family Association. A charitable gift annuity helps you, and it allows AFA to impact America for generations to come. Phone 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Welcome back. And I'd like to open up the phone lines now to uh, talk with you about your comments and thoughts about the sanctity of human life, the Dobbs decision, the constitutionality of all of this, and what you would like to see in Congress as well as uh, the state legislatures and questions that you may have surrounding this. So our phone number is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. And, you know, Kamala Harris, of course, is parroting the Democrat leftist uh, commentary and their narrative that is totally false, uh, suggesting that every woman has a so-called right to abortion, which the Supreme Court just uh, completely undermined and gave a brilliant explanation for why uh, the so-called right to abortion is not in the Constitution, was never in the Constitution. Uh, And here's what Kamala Harris had to say about that. This is cut three. Even then, people live in fear of what might be next. Because Republicans in Congress are now calling for a nationwide abortion ban. 
Some even from the moment of conception. The right of every woman in every state in this country to make decisions about her own body is on the line. And I've said it before and I will say it again. How dare they? How dare they? Well, we dare. Uh, Ms. Madam Vice President, we dare because the right to life is the first right that without the right to life, no other rights can be exercised. And so how uh, she's trying to manipulate this, and that was in front of uh, an audience there in Florida yesterday, which I think it was no no secret and no uh, reason that she specifically chose Florida because, of course, Ron DeSantis in uh, the state of Florida has been a champion for life. He's been a champion for the Constitution, the conservative cause, and using the powers of governor to uh, make sure that he is promoting and protecting uh, the the conservative agenda in the uh, the constitutional manner. And so, um, you know, so I think going to Florida was intentional on her part. But um, this right to abortion, the left is suggesting that somehow they can read between the lines of the Constitution and pull out the right to privacy, which then says, according to them, covers some abortions in some circumstances. And that was uh, the grounds of uh, Roe versus Wade and then Planned Parenthood versus Casey that didn't actually express an either of those opinions that there is a right to abortion. It was a right to privacy that covered abortions in some circumstances and said, well, this is just between a woman and her doctor. But they're forgetting that there is another person in that room, which of course is the child. So uh, let's go to the phone lines. And if you'd like to call in um, that, let's go to first to Ernest out of Mississippi. Good morning. Good morning, Jen. How are you doing this morning? Great. Thanks so much for calling in. I just wanted to come in. I was very glad you had that congressman on this morning because what he said I see so often where Congress, yes, they're representing us, but they don't thoroughly research. They just start repeating it. He was exactly right how they didn't understand the Dobbs decision. And that's one of my concerns is that we do rely on them to get a full understanding. Democrats have it down. You notice when they speak about women's rights and health care, they never say abortion. They just say Mm health care. It's how they talk. And our Republican Party really don't know how, they don't speak well you know, on those issues. So I just want to say that even now in Mississippi, they got this uh, CVS and Walgreens now doing the pills. But I haven't heard out, I got to, I'm trying to contact our state representative and say, wait, what's going on here? We were ahead on this uh, Dobbs decision, and I don't hear any of them speaking out on the sale of this pill with no uh, prescription. Yeah, that, that's that's a great comment, Ernest. And, you know, and that just shows exactly why we can win on some grounds. But then uh, some of the Democrats and the leftists and even uh, private companies will try to circumvent uh, that great decision and will still try to give women access to abortions um, in any way, shape or form that they can. And this is why uh, people like Congressman Bob Good are promoting the legislation that he is. And this is why on the state level, you're absolutely right, that you need to be in contact with 
with your state representatives and asking them why is this allowed and they need to immediately and quickly advance legislation that do that doesn't allow uh, those types of things. And, you know, there was a story out a couple weeks ago that we covered on this show about uh, CVS and Walgreens uh, giving uh, this abortion pill. And um, and it's 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 just tragic. But this is also why in churches we need to make sure that our pastors and all of us who testify in our communities and in our culture to the truth of Christ need to continue to make abortions unthinkable, not just illegal. Because if we gave women the support and the care that they need, um, not just through the course of their pregnancy, but through adoption, through other uh, choices that they have. This is where um, Carrie Lake, for example, she in Arizona, she answered that question so brilliantly one time with a reporter during the campaign trail that said, you know, why are you against choice? And she said, no, I'm for a lot of choices. Why are you suggesting that abortion is the only choice for women? We have so many other choices. Why are you trying to foreclose a lot of those choices? And I think we need to be very savvy. We need to be winsome, but we also need to be very, very truthful about abortion and the heinousness that it is. So thank you, Ernest. Um, If you want to call in, then phone number is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. And uh, let's go to Jim out of Mississippi. Good morning, Jim. Good morning again, Jenna. I was your first caller on your program. <laughs> well, you you well, should get a medal for that. We'll have to send you a certificate. <laughs> I'm sure I'll never forget that. Uh, I want to bring up the preamble of the Constitution. We seem to have a blindness of almost biblical proportions when it comes to the preamble. The specific language in the preamble says that its mission is to secure the blessings of liberty to posterity. And I have struggled for 35 years trying to figure out why is it that pro-life, the pro-life community and people that support uh, the protection of the unborn don't champion that language. Mm -hmm. And it's another example of where the meaning of words has just been lost. So I wanted you to weigh in on that. Yeah, very well said. And thanks so much for calling in, Jim. And I hope you're a frequent caller. And, um, you know, you're absolutely right. And I love as as a lawyer, I love that term posterity, because, of course, that means our future generations. And it's incredible to me that in property law, uh, we actually have when we're looking at uh, wills and estates and trusts, uh, we have heirs apparent, which I'm um, just giving my family as an example. So uh, my older brother and I were the first two children of my parents' marriage, and they're still uh, living and, and they're still married. Um, but the law contemplated that we might not be the only children of my parents' marriage. And my little brother, um, who was adopted, thankfully, uh, his uh, birth mother chose life and uh, chose to not have an abortion, uh, which was an amazing decision. And he's been part of our family. We love him. And um, he is, God meant for him to be in our family. And he came uh, years later. And so um, I was 18 when he was adopted at, at about the age of three. And he then, through the eyes of the law, is a full inheritor of 
uh, as a child of my parents' marriage through the process of adoption, uh, which is a beautiful representation of the gospel of Christ and how we are grafted into the tree of life. And I love um, how adoption is is a beautiful picture of um, truly salvation. But um, but in terms of posterity, our law contemplates that there may be future children born to a marriage. So the current living children are only heirs apparent. Now think about that for a second, because if the law suggests that future children that could be born years, even decades later, have property rights that are protected currently by the law, how much more should we be protecting that child's right to live and then therefore exercise their property rights. And so that term posterity, I think, is important and specific in the preamble because, of course, um, Thomas Jefferson specifically was very concerned about property rights and uh, our founders debated um, a lot of this in, in, uh, of course, what became our Fourth Amendment, the right to be secure in our persons, houses, property and effects, all of these things. But they understood first and foremost that the very foundation of being able to exercise any of our rights begins with life. And uh, and so I think you're right that we, uh, you're right, Jim, that we take the preamble out of context. And just because that isn't substantive in terms of granting powers to our state or federal legislators, it's not saying uh, here is a specific enumerated textual grant then that doesn't mean that we can just ignore it as philosophizing or as just suggesting that um, you know this is a this is a great worldview of the founders. It shows the legislative history of why we vested specific textual powers to our legislature, to our executive, to our judiciary. Why we have federalism? It is to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. So ourselves and even those who are not yet born, we are obligated and we obligate our government to protect those rights. So we, we need to read the Declaration and the Constitution fully in context. Don't allow anyone to proof text and to say that some sections just don't matter than others. I wish that the Supreme Court would have this same view that I think a few of the justices do. Um, Justice Thomas, in my view, is the most brilliant jurist right now on the bench. But um, well said and, and really good question, Jim. Uh, let's go to Otis out of Texas. And if you want to call in, the phone number here is 888-589-8840. So good morning, Otis. Good morning, Jenna. How are you doing today? God bless you and thank you for your show. Thank I'll get you. to my um, my question. I um what I've seen as far as um I've listened to the representative that um you had on and I think in a lot of ways he's making the same mistake that we overall made with Roe. Um first I you know how do we pass laws in this country? We don't pass them through the Supreme Court and I've heard it and I see it and I read it. It's always an opinion. And so, you know, my, my concern about it is the federal government getting involved because with um, murdering babies in the womb, that's my term. I don't use abortion because it kind of brings it out. It's murdering babies in the womb. You're right. And I don't see the authority of the authority of the federal government to regulate murder. I don't right. Well, and, and that's I mean, a great question. 
That, that's a great question. And, you know, we have to be careful that, as uh, Congressman Good said, that we aren't um, extreme federalists where we say, OK, there isn't um, the, the powers that are actually granted to the federal government. We don't exercise because we're too concerned um, or we are too intimidated or we have other reasons for it. But I think you are right that we we absolutely need to be careful that we as conservatives aren't suggesting that a Republican-led House, or if we had the majority of the House and the Senate and uh, the White House as well, that we don't pass legislation that is unconstitutional, that exceeds the power granted to the legislature, just because we like that outcome. Otherwise, we're being activists in the exact same way. So we do need to correctly parse the difference between what is the scope of the federal government's authority and what is given to the states and to the people through the Ninth and Tenth Amendment. So we do need to be careful, but I think he made an excellent point that the federal government still has the obligation to protect life in the bills and the the uh, subject matter that they can pass through the legislature. We just need to be very careful that we aren't over-enthusiastic, but we also need to be careful that we don't just say, hey, we're not going to do anything, and it's only up to the states. So great question. Let's go to Philip out of Texas. Good morning, Philip. Good morning. I, I know I only have a couple minutes left, but uh, I've been stewing on this for a while, and I just wanted to bring it your attention that you know on december night you brought up terry lake and that's what made me call in so on december 19th six days before christmas donald trump held a pro-homosexual gala at mar-a-lago terry lake was there as well now terry lake when it was her turn to speak started spewing all kinds of profanities um you know some rhyme with mustard and she referred to herself in the end rhymes with which, um, you know, we need to, as Christians, have more discernment on who we're attaching our saddles to, because Donald not a Christian, and, you know, friend or foe, if warp speed is his baby, well, there are tens of millions right. that are dead and, from that battle. And we're about out of time, Philip, so I appreciate that comment. And just quickly, I agree with you that we have to make sure that just because we don't like a personality like a Carrie Lake or a Donald Trump, that we don't call them out when they are wrong. I do believe Donald Trump is a Christian. I don't know about Carrie Lake. Um, But I do think it's wrong that both she or Trump would ever advance a homosexual agenda. That is wrong, and we need to call them out for that. So absolutely correct. And thanks for listening to Jenna Ellis in the morning. I'll be with you tomorrow taking your calls again. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.